What is going on, soccer fans? And welcome to the number one soccer-specific podcast in Northern California, the Sacktown FC Podcast. You may or may not have heard of us, but we like to think of ourselves as something special. We are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Check them out at roughneckscarves.com and raise your game today. My name is John, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host Luis and a special guest joining us this uh, afternoon. Podcast mom Sharon is back. Welcome back, Sharon. Luis and Sharon, how are you guys doing um, with all the smoke that we are trying not to inhale right now? Um, they're doing uh, good. Like, yeah, just trying to stay away from that smoke. Uh, I don't know when smoke's going to be over. I think uh, we might have to wait for that rain, which uh, hopefully will be here shortly. Um, other than that, I mean, I still can't believe what happened yesterday. Well, you know, of course, we'll talk about it more today. Uh, I am more disappointed at the ref. I have my own thoughts on the ref, and I know you guys probably have similar thoughts, but, you know, we'll, we'll leave them here for, for later on. How are you doing, Sharon? Hey, thanks for having me again, you guys. It's, it's, it's a real treasure to be with you on the podcast and also share my opinions. And I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. You know, it's definitely exercise prohibitive weather outside. And we're hoping for that wonderful breeze that comes in from the ocean and clears things out eventually. And then I pity everybody up in the higher mountainous regions because they'll be getting the smoke that we're experiencing right now. But keep your fingers crossed. It'd be interesting to talk about last night's game. I have my opinions, and um, but overall, even though I know we should have won the game, I thought it was exciting. I'll leave it there. Exciting, yes. Uh, anytime you get a 3-3 game, it's always exciting. It's just unfortunate that it came at a, at a time when we needed to get all three points to kind of separate ourselves a little bit, but that's all right. We'll talk about that here in a second. But this podcast is powered by Reboot. Reboot is a nonprofit organization whose sole purpose is to help more kids play soccer while also creating opportunities to practice generosity, empathy, and leadership. Check them out at reboot.soccer where you can find out more ways to be part of the program and help reboot your community today. Hey, Luis, last week we uh, made an awesome announcement. Uh, we are now partners with the National Foot Golf Association. And to commemorate that, they have a tournament on October 10th. Not that it was because of us, but they already had this planned. Uh, October the 10th at Emerald Lakes Golf Course in Elk Grove, uh, they will be having a foot golf tournament with the winner taking home $1,000. And for three teams that either listen to the podcast or are part of the show, Using code SACTOWNFC, they will give a 10% discount to the first three teams that register. So make sure you go to their website, which is attached to the show notes, to make sure you're a part of it. And if you don't know, now you know, get signed up today. 10% using SACTOWNFC for the Emerald Lakes Golf Tournament, the Mega Bowl, uh, October the 10th. So check them out and get that on. And if you guys haven't heard yet of our uh, Patreon or our supporters group, highly invite you that you come check it out. Uh, you could find it on our homepage or you can visit patreon.com slash SACTOWNFC uh, to find out more information about our official supporters group, the squadron, find out what amazing perks you can get through that. 
essentially different perks that put you behind the scenes in of our show of our podcast and also might get you that opportunity to get a shout out or even ask a question to your favorite person we interview so please check that out again patreon.com slash sacktownfc um, we also invite you in general to visit our website sacktownfc.com where you can find all of our episodes you can find the soccer pulse column where Becca and Seth uh, write their soccer articles. Uh, Becca is actually working on one as we speak, so be on the lookout for that uh, this week. Um, so please check that out. And also, if you like to learn how we started the podcast, you can also find out the interesting story of how it got started back in uh, January 2020, uh, back before we thought we would be here locked in or not able to go watch games. So go find out how that got started and how the show has uh, grown to now have also online shows that you can check out on our social media page, like our cup of tea and Pasión Mekis and Sacramento soccer show. So please check that out again, sacktownfc.com. So before we get started uh, with our actual reactions of this match, uh, I thought we would go over some of the press conference reactions that we had um, for the most part, it was mainly coach uh, reacting to the game. Uh, Belmar did have a couple of minutes towards the end as well, but coach had a lot of interesting things to say. So uh, let's dive into different things that coach said because uh, th- there was really uh, interesting things to be said. So first off, uh, coach was asked what he told players after the game and how all that went down. So listen in to find out uh, what he said. I basically, I told them the schedule and said I would see them in a couple of days, to be honest with you. They played well. We were the better team, but we, we, have, we have to learn. It's not good enough to keep saying next time, next time. No, there's not a next time. There's that 90 minutes and we should have won the game. But we gave two points away. And instead of walking away with three points, we walk away with one point. So... I chose not to speak to the guys. They need, they need to learn. This hurts. I'm, I'm furious. And this hurts. So, yeah, we could really see that coach is really furious. Uh, but what are you guys' thoughts on, on the fact that he actually chose not to really speak to the players after the game? So what I think and what I've seen in the past, like Roro getting the red card on Wednesday and the coach walking away this time, Sometimes players, when they get into a mid-season, because we're kind of middle of this new season, so to speak, middle to end, they need something to kind of regenerate and reduce themselves. And that may be, you know, there's all kinds of tactics. And granted, if coach is furious and he doesn't want to talk to the players because he's already been talking to them, they need to, you know, just like adults, you need to think about it. You know, it's kind of like in any relationship when somebody kind of steps away it gives you room to kind of grow and be pensive. And I, I believe that was uh, an important, important aspect. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in the locker room, you know, with the, with the players who are now left to sit in their own juices, so to speak, amongst each other and figure out why the coach won't talk to them. So interesting. What do you guys I think? Mean, I mean, for me personally, you know, being in a locker room after a tough game that you were the better team in, um, and the coach not want to talk to you, 
you as a as a player you have to reflect on your own ability and what you did or what you could have done right we it's like the self um you know you you have to look at what you did what you could do better and you know kind of towards what you were saying Sharon but the problem is they're professionals you should know these things you've been doing this long enough you know for some of these guys this is year five year six you know you you expect a certain level from your team veterans and so forth and you know you you have to have an idea look we dropped the ball we lost a huge opportunity to take advantage and seize a moment and i'm just i i I see why he's frustrated as a fan i'm frustrated too there's a lot of opportunities this was by far the most complete game they've played um but it's also one of those games where you're just scratching your head like what's what's happened here yeah, the, definitely. I think the same with the coach. It makes sense why he didn't want to talk to them. It's uh, really understandable that he chose to do that. And being silent actually speaks volumes, right? Like the, the players can can really interpret that <laughs> silence, especially from coach. We, we know coach is one of those uh, coaches that is really communicative. When the game is going on, he's really uh, expressing his opinion throughout the match. He's making sure everyone's on point. I've seen him do that in the hydration breaks as well. Uh, you see that he really takes full advantage of those and is really guiding the team. And so to go through a match like this where you get tied on at the very last play, I understand why he's because you were more superior than your rival in the 90 minutes. There was just no excuses. We didn't have to get tied at the last minute. True, there were a lot of bad ref calls, as I said earlier. But at the end of the day, we had opportunities ourselves, too, that we could have actually won this game. And they could have scored at the end. It would have just been another goal to their count, and we would have still you know, had a one- or two-goal lead. So uh, interesting to see that. Hopefully it doesn't uh, get any player in the wrong way. But luckily, it was to the group rather than just to one player. And I think that might that might unite the team a little bit more and help them all reflect on what happened. And so uh, for that matter, I think it was probably good that he did that because he was furious. Uh, Who knows what he would have told the players if he would have actually spoke. And sometimes it's better to stay quiet and not really say something that might offend a player, a player might get it the wrong way as well. So uh, I, I think that, that's probably best, and, and it was a good thing that, that he did that. Next thing he, he said, or next thing they asked him, were what his thoughts were on the intensity of the game. So as we all know, this game was really intense. Uh, our players really played it really to the point it should be played under us because you're playing uh, one of your biggest rivals, and you should always have intense games. And so uh, they asked him on what his thoughts were uh, in that aspect. It's it's passionate. It's it's two teams that are rivals. Um, it's two teams that are very good teams. It's two teams that play football the correct way. It's two teams that want to win. So these games are going to be chippy. These games are going to be aggressive. These games mean a lot to people. Um, so I I didn't expect any different to to what we saw out there. Um, I thought it could have been managed much much better, but. I was, 
I was not surprised by the intensity and the aggression and the chippiness, to be honest. So it was pretty chippy, as he said. Uh, I think if we look back at the other two Reno games, they weren't as intense as this game. And that's probably one of the things that I personally liked about this game is that they really played it as it should be played, unlike the other two games where I felt like Reno was uh, superior to us and we got those wins, but they were more out of just some uh, lucky opportunities, you know, where we were awarded penalty kicks and ultimately that's what defined the game. And so uh, each game should be intense, right? So what were you guys' thoughts on, on the intensity of the game? I thought the intensity was uh, was good. Uh, it goes back to the first time they played Rito this year with the one nothing win. I think the intensity matched that game from us, and we were a lot more physical in that match than we were in this one. So in the end, it wasn't about intensity. It was just lack of finishing. It was just loss of focus, right? We go look at the first goal, right? Diaz coming out, getting stuck. Sargis standing atop the 18 instead of finding a mark in the 18 because he's the, one of the tallest players on the pitch. Like there's just these little things, this attention to detail. Intensity is, is great, but if you don't have the attention to detail or, or focus on what you're supposed to do and how you should execute, that's going to be the problem. You're going to tie. You're going to lose. You're going you're gonna to give up you know, a goal late. So you put all those things together, and it's a mentality. It's a mindset. The intensity was there. The, the referee could have done a better job of controlling the game. I think the, uh, the game, you know, being as chippy as it was, could have, could have been changed or altered quickly uh, with you know, a couple more foul calls or maybe an earlier yellow. But for the most part, I, I think the game itself was, was just as intense as the very first matchup against Reno. So for just talking about, about Reno, I agree this was um, – the intensity was – was far better. And I think our, our, uh, the speed of play was, was better. And I don't know if intensity and speed of play go hand in hand. Um, I appreciated that the intensity also was something that I saw that picked up in the second half of the Portland match. Um, especially after we lost Roro, there was a, a level of intensity that the guys had then, and that they brought that same intensity to the Reno match. Yeah. Reno's our, you know, Donner pass rival situation. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we're building in our intensity with every game, with every match. And I expect to see a same level of intensity and perhaps the focus will be there for the next match because, you know, every player, like we had just talked about, every player is probably doing a little bit of introspection if they're smart, unless they did some weird, you know, yay, we got three goals, kind of congratulations to each other. And it's like, oh, yeah, but we lost, we gave up three, two as well. Um so, yeah, interesting. Yeah, there were definitely mistakes made, of course, when every time you, you get a goal against, uh, there's always a, a mistake that you did. And, and so they need to reflect on those things as well. And, and as we're about to hear right now, and uh, what Coach said a little bit more about the game, we had a lot of missed opportunities that had they been actually uh, taken advantage of, we wouldn't be talking about a last minute uh, tie. So let, let's hear a little bit more of uh, what coach had to say on, on that as well. 
Um, I'd agree with you. I thought the football, the football, some of the football at times was phenomenal. Some of the one-touch play, some of them playing it around the corner, getting it back, going wide, putting balls in the box, getting numbers in the box. I think that's why that's why I'm so frustrated. That's why I'm so annoyed because it was probably our best performance from an attacking standpoint, and we should have scored more goals. We we were on top for probably 25 minutes at the start of the second half where we had them pinned into their own half and we had four or five opportunities that we, if we score, the game's over. Um, we had an opportunity just before they score to put the ball away, to put the game to bed. Um, and we didn't. And when you leave teams hanging around, especially good teams, they 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 stay in the game and they're, they're clinical. Um for me, it's it's one thing and it's focus. It's staying focused for 95 minutes. It's staying focused for as much time as the referee adds on to the game. You have to stay engaged and you have to stay focused. And right now, we're not. We're doing it for 88 minutes. But those two minutes, we're making criminal errors. And like I say, it's just just unacceptable. So two things there, right? First off, the missed opportunities. Uh, we had a lot of opportunities that we should have taken advantage of in that first half. Um, and then the second thing he talks about, focus, having that focus, not just 88 minutes, but having the focus in the full match is something that the team needs to pay more attention of because we saw it earlier in the season too, where we gave up games that should have been three point games towards the end. And so they really need to focus on that because we're going through it again. And we were close to going through it against uh, T2. If it had not been for Juju, it would have been the same situation. And so something really important for, for the players to, to take a look at, right? I mean, go back to the first half, right? The first half saw eight shots. Eight shots. Great. How many of those are on target? Five. What was the score at halftime? 2-1. You're doing something right. You got shots on target. When you get shots on target, that can create errors. It can create kind of a a different mentality from the, the team. Then we fast forward to the second half. Remember, last podcast, we talked about the team of two halves. The second half of this Reno match. 11 total shots, three on target. Now, go back to the first half. The first half was, was they, were, they were executing. They found space. They had a rhythm. Um, second half, 11 shots on target. Three, or sorry, 11 total shots, three on target. Again, we're back to that team of two halves. Um, and they, they, you know, passing accuracy was great. They won the duels. But... Again, it goes back to that execution. It goes back to that finishing. When you can get shots on target, it creates a different mentality for you as a team, and it shows. You take 11 shots in the second half, three on target, you get one goal. You take eight shots, five on target, you get two goals. Probably should have been two more on top of that. You go back to the Carlton um, shot, which was blocked or uh, parried away. 
that he chased down and was able to get back to, right? Um, there was a couple other opportunities there uh, for players to knock it in, but they just didn't fire fast enough, and so it was blocked. In the second half, there wasn't that, didn't seem like there was that many opportunities. So, um, what I what I saw in this what I saw in the second half was a lot of passing through the midfield. It was almost like what we had before Reno scored their second goal. We were we were using the clock, and so I don't know what instructions they were given. Um, but I saw a lot of work through the midfield, which I'm I'm proud of because sometimes we've been skipping the midfield and we're better when we use the midfield. But I saw a lot of work through the midfield, you know, just a lot of playing the ball up and back and up and back and through and then stop, turn around, reset, you know, that sort of thing. That's what I saw a lot of. It was almost like clock kill, not clock kill in the, you know, bad sense, the word of always playing it back to your keeper and then, you know, not really looking at creating the opportunities um, but then it was almost like we were, John, it was almost like, and, and Luis, we, we were kind of stuck in two brains of we need to kill the clock and we can only take a chance, you know, rarely, even though they had 11 shots in the second half. It just, it was different. You're right. It was, it was just different. It was almost like they were clock killing versus really focused on that, on their shooting techniques. Yep. Just trying to find space, right? Get the ball to the corners or just play, you know, pass around, see if you can find some, some space. I think some, some subs definitely made a change with uh, Lopez coming on. He definitely shows a different, a different bite. You could say with uh, he's a pit bull. He reminds me of a, he's a forward. He's a forward like Edgar Davids. Um, he wants the ball. He'll, and he'll bulldoze you and doesn't want to go down. He wants to continue. So that's, that's something I look forward to. Um, and so hopefully that changes the mentality a little bit. That's another sub that you can bring in who can, who can change the game eventually. But yeah, this, uh, there's a lot to – I don't think this bench is as deep as Briggs wants it because when he made the substitution, Shannon came on, started the second half, and then he brought uh, Cameron on, and that's a different story for, from my opinion. But um, – they're just they they weren't as clinical. They weren't as um, they weren't looking for the opportunities. They were just trying to play the game and play the game to a to their win of a two one and, and lost it. You go back to possession two percent difference first half second half. So their possession for the match was forty six percent. Reno had possession eighty one percent passing for Reno. Um, you know we passed four hundred eleven times. They're four sixty eight. There's just little things like we, we, we need to do a better job. If we're going to want to control the midfield and we're going to want to control a game, you got to do that. You got to set the, you got to set that as your precedent in your footprint for your team. So we'll see. Yeah, that, that, that is uh, something that they need to consider for future games as well, because again, playoffs are right around the corner within a month, actually a month from now, we are going to start to talk about uh, playoffs. And so, you don't want to make the same mistakes in that first match and then be out just because of that too. So uh, in a way, it's good, you know, that these things are happening now, but they, they really need to take all these lessons they've learned from not just yesterday's game, but overall uh, throughout the season. Uh, so our uh, the next clip we have here, uh, coach giving, a, I, I would say very or even extremely brief uh, Thoughts on the ref, understandably so. Uh, he doesn't want to be fined, and uh, I completely understand. But with just a few words he said, 
I think uh, they speak volumes as to how he was feeling about uh, yesterday's really uh, unfortunate referee. It was, I felt, I felt the game could have been managed better by my team. And what I mean by that is certain actions that allow for officials to then make decisions. We can't put ourselves in positions to allow them to make a decision. Um, I think I'll leave it at that. I would love to say a lot more, Alicia, but I'm having to bite my tongue and it's really, really hard. So again, you know, just with those uh, few words that, that he said, of course, he he definitely has a strong opinions on, on the referee. Uh, true, he did say we should have taken advantage of our opportunities in that way. We don't have to be waiting for that opportunity that might benefit or hurt us, as was the case last night. And of course, he doesn't want to get fined for saying the wrong thing. Um, I won't get fined, so I'm just going to just say it straight up. The referee was really bad. I hope he gets suspended because there were way too many bad calls in this match. Uh, we could think of some handballs that weren't called. There was a really clear one by Reno. Second half, we're up already winning. It could have been, I believe, a 4-2. Referee chooses not to call it. And then we're up 2-1. Ref gives a penalty to Reno that if you guys look at that play, Clearly, Partida dives straight for that one. Ref has no doubt about it. He calls it right away. And so it made you kind of question, what was the referee thinking? Why does he mark a dive and now mark a real clear um, handball? I just didn't understand what was going on there. We could also look at some of the yellow cards and some of the missed yellow cards. But ultimately, what really affected the game were those uh, penalty kicks that well, he didn't call and the ones he did just to call. Let's, let's look at all the calls that he missed then. So he missed two opportunities to call PKs on the Republic early in the match. Um, the Reno incident you're talking about, I wouldn't have called it. I'm sorry. It looked like it was the shoulder from, from my angle. I, I, freeze fro- I, I froze that. It came off, the, came off just around the shoulder blade. I'm not calling a handball. Um, and then the Gomez, that's what coach is talking about. He's saying, don't put yourselves in a position to make the, or to have the ref make a call. Evan Ream uh, said that the, the linesman called it a dive at the end. It's at the, it's at the call of the, of the center referee. The center referee wants to make that call. He's going to make that call 99.9% of the time unless he's unsure. What he thinks he saw is what he called, and that was Shannon Gomez took him down. But coach did make the point, you don't put yourselves in a position to allow the referee to make those calls. Shannon Gomez could have backed off. He was, was, you know, he was marking him. That's great if you're outside the 18. When you're in the 18, you got to back up a little bit. You got you to play it safe, especially when you're up two to one. So in the end, you know, the, the official, was that the wrong call? Yes, but coach said, hey, this, is, this was what you put yourself into that's the position so shannon gomez will learn from that uh this referee is not going to get suspended and there's no var there's nothing there he missed a lot of calls yes everybody misses calls you can go to any match there's been calls missed all year 
This isn't the first, not the last. But don't put yourselves in that position to have the referee make a call that's going to change the game and create a different ending than what you should be getting. Yeah, typically when you're when you're ahead, like you know, when you're up two two one, you do tell your players now don't make a stupid foul. You know, don't don't do anything stupid, especially in the box. Don't do anything that's going to get you red carded. You know, any of that sort of stuff. So, um, so that that that's a little bit of my thinking on 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 that, and I agree. So so both the team both teams played with the same official, and there was calls that were missed on both sides. Like for instance. I don't know, John or Luis, if you slow mode um, Jordan's save that Rafa missed um, on the shot, the angled shot on goal. But there were some people that were saying that he handballed that to get out. Now, I don't know if it was a chest, a head, you know, just a dumb ricochet off of him. But that was also something that the other team could have been upset about. But we all have the same referee, whether they whether they call calls for us or call calls not for us. And at the end of the day, both teams have to have to play under the same thing. There, there are a couple of referees out there that I personally think don't homer us. You know, um, I, you know, I love playing at the home at home, but there are some referees that literally go one step farther to make it very clear that they're not homering, you know, favoring the home team. I don't think we saw that quite yesterday. I don't, I don't see, we saw somebody that didn't, didn't favor us. That was against us. I just, you know, there may have been a few things that were missed some fouls that he could have called to control the game. But at the end of the day, nobody really got hurt, you know, and I hate to use that as a baseline, but I don't know that anybody hurt, hurt the other hurt. You know, there were some elbows thrown and that sort of thing, but I don't think there was hurt. So at the end of the day, we yeah, are where we are. <laughs> yeah, luckily there weren't any uh, injuries. Uh, I know for th- there was one moment where our podcast magic, uh, for a second I was like, oh, he looks like he might be injured. But thankfully it didn't seem like it was anything uh, too bad. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's something that we do have to uh, think is that despite the game being so intense, we didn't see anyone get injured. And th- th- let's hope that we keep things that way and nobody gets injured. <laughs> so yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Rev did those calls. Uh, uh, I, after seeing the replay that was happened, did happen in our area. Yeah, it's true. That could have been a penalty for them too as well. Uh, but I guess what I could say is that Rev, uh, Rev, I think screwed up a little bit more against us. So maybe I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, but it is going to be this way always. I don't think we'll ever see VAR at the USL level. There's just no way I don't think that they would uh, incur that cost unless maybe like they've managed to get more money in uh, years to come or maybe uh, pro rail becomes a thing. But thankfully in the MLS, we get VAR and we won't even be talking about these things. Or, I mean, we might still be talking depending on how the referee sees it, but at least... Uh, will get more uh, fair calls uh, than you do if you don't have it. So next thing, a coach was asked, uh, they asked him about what he thought about Carlton Belmore's performance in this match. Uh, let's remember he had two assists. He's had three assists so far this season. And uh, John's been, uh, or four assists this season. And uh, John's been actually pretty happy 
to see uh, Belmar doing good. And he called it right away since the beginning of the season, or actually before the season started. He was already calling and saying that he was going to do really good, and he's uh, starting to show that. So let's hear what Coach had to say about uh, Carlton in this match. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was uh, fantastic for us Wednesday night when he came in the second half. Um, and he carried on the momentum from Wednesday into, into tonight. I thought he was brilliant from start to finish. Uh, I thought he held the ball up. He spun his man. He got in behind. He put them on the back foot. Uh, he did everything that you want out of your number nine. Um, I just wish he could have could have got that goal in the first half when he had his uh, when he had that opportunity and just deflected and deflected just wide of the goal. Um, but no, I was um, really pleased for him. Um, he, yeah, he was fantastic. So he definitely did have a really good match. Uh, I think we, we've been seeing him do much better than Cameron. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. And I think that's something of concern with Cameron, but we can talk about Cameron a little bit later on. Uh, but what did you guys think of Belmar? Okay. I know Jonathan's going to wrap it up because Jonathan's a huge Belmar fan. But I would say that Belmar is a load. He's always been magic for me when he was against us. When Whenever they came to town and played against us, you know, in all the teams that he's played on, he's always been a load. He's hard to handle, and he proved all that. He's he's proved how hard to handle he is, and his speed, now that he's fully healthy, you know, I, I good signing, one of the better signings that we've done in a long time. I mean, for, for him, the, the main thing is, can he continue to do this? This is this is a, a different Belmar than what we've seen in the past where he's been able to use his speed and his, and his size to get around players. Now he's learned how to do the, the little things with his back to goal and find people. Yes, you, you can learn a lot playing out wide, which he, that cross to Sam, that was one of those things. But then in being a false nine and being able to have your back to goal – he set up Formella, who was able to just essentially just walk in to the 18 to, to finish. And those are the things, those are the intangibles that you get from playing more or practicing. And he's proving that. He's been proving that. I have been making that comment, seeing him at practice. He stayed after practice, and he's been working on those little things, that little technique. And it showed in this match. I don't think the old Belmar looks for, he puts his head up to look for Formella. I think he tries to do it himself, but he's learning to move the ball. Now, for the other forward, that ball goes back. For Cam, that ball goes back. It looks for Drew or it looks for Ville. It does not look wide for Formella. It doesn't look wide for Sam. It goes back, and then he tries to make a run himself. Belmar was being unselfish there. He was able to hold the player off using his body his, and, and found Formella and played it out wide. And the, the touch that it took to get that ball there was perfect. It was right on point. It was perfectly weighted. I can't say enough positives about his, the way he played. Um, he took a shot. It was parried away. He didn't stop. What did he do? He sprinted to the end line. He showed his speed. He was almost able to turn it around and score again because he didn't give up on the play. Those are things that we haven't seen from a forward in a very long time. 
And for Carlton to come in, his first start up front, not his first opportunity up front, but definitely his first start was definitely a, a, was a game changer. And I hope that we see more of Carlton up front. And if he does get subbed out, I'm all about having Frankie come in for him. I am because Frankie brings a different dimension. You have now you've got a forward who I hope can continue to show progress and play um, like coach wants him to with his back to goal and being able to um, possess and pass. But then you have Frankie who can come on. And again, Frankie's very much just a, he wants that ball. He's a bulldog. He's going to get there and he's going to run through you or around you or use his speed because he's not giving up. So we'll see. Yeah, so something good to see, of course, and, and afford to not see that selfishness that we have seen in previous years. And you guys know we've had a couple of different forwards that have been that way, and it's cost us games because if you are not one to be willing to work for the team and you know let your teammate who has a better chance actually finish that opportunity, then we're not going to get anywhere, right? No one's going to be passing the ball. And, and to see him do that, to see him do that yesterday, that perfect pass for Formella, it's amazing. I know we're going to keep seeing those things. And Coach uh, needs to continue to put him in the starting 11. And as far as Cameron goes, I don't know. Cameron Cameron now how has uh, is or is going to have some competition with Frankie. Uh, which before we go in to talk about Frankie, let's uh, actually hear about what coach had to say about uh, Frankie and his uh, couple of minutes that we saw him last night. Yeah, I think obviously we've, we've got to get Frank fit and we've got to get Frank fit pretty quickly. Um, I think you could all, you could all see that, but um, I thought he, he just brings an intensity. He brings a work rate. He brings an aggression. I think you saw him like go in and slide in with a goalkeeper. He ruffles feathers on opposition's team, uh, in, on opposition teams. Um, he's, he's not a nice guy. He's a nice guy off the field, but when he goes on that field, he's not a nice guy. And we, we need more of that. Um, so I was I was happy with Frank and what he contributed for the the 15 minutes he was on, um, and I think there's a lot more to come from him. And that's exactly the kind of forward we need, right? One who is a nice guy off the pitch, but on the pitch you are not a nice guy. You're gonna be as uh, aggressive as you can be, and if you come up from the bench, you give it your all, and that's what we saw with Frankie. We talked about it last week. Todd Donovan speaking about Frankie and what they saw in him. Uh, I believe he said something about uh, him running into like a brick wall. That's the kind of player he is. And he showed it in the couple of minutes he was in yesterday. And I don't know what you guys think, but Cameron should probably be worried because this guy is actually pretty good. And in a couple of minutes he was in, he showed that he wants to definitely win that spot in the starting eleven. He's hungry. I can tell you that he's hungry. He wants to be successful. He's shown it. Um, you know, he, there's a reason he's every, every other game he's scoring a goal. He had a, you know, he went up against fury. There was a ball that was kind of left, left hanging and he's running into it. Cause he wants to, he wants to score. Um, very, very much like the honey badger. The honey badger doesn't give a shit. Well, Frankie, the honey badger Lopez doesn't give a shit. He wants to win. 
He wants to score. He'll do whatever it takes to score. So, you know, if he's going to get a nickname, I'm going to give him the nickname of the Honey Badger because he'll do whatever it takes to make sure his team comes out with three points, it seems like. So we've all been taught when we played soccer, um, follow the ball, follow the shot, you know, follow the shot, follow the pass, do all the support work and be there for knockdowns, rebounds. We have a few players that are a little lazy. It's almost like they're watching the game versus actively participating and knowing how to do that. I saw Frankie as a player that follows the shot and does the knockdown rebounds. I saw that, that what Cam used to have, that Panther approach of, you know, wherever the ball is loose in the box, I'm going to try to pounce on it. That sort of a thing. I saw that even like what flashes of that with Frankie. Now, yesterday, one and I don't know if I was talking to my sister or talking to Luis about this, but one of the things that I saw Frankie doing was, I think he was trying to do everything himself. So Jonathan or Luis, you mentioned that, you know, once he starts blending in and learning or, you know, learning how to kind of work with other people so that he doesn't always feel like he is the one, but maybe we just need somebody who is just, who thinks he has to do it all himself because he's going to create so much havoc in the six yard area of the box. He's really going to create those other chances. Even if he doesn't score himself, he's going to create a lot of knockdown rebounds because people are not going to want to be near him. Like what coach said, he's not nice. So you don't want to go up against him. You know, it's going to, it's going to be very interesting to see how it unfolds. We've never had a player quite like him. You know, we've had glimpses of guys that are a little bit, you know, feisty, but we've never had somebody like him. You know, I was thinking Sammy Ochoa, but the the speed difference is entirely different between Sammy Ochoa and this guy, Sammy, you know, he would complain and you know, that you would, you didn't want to go up against him because of his size. But at the end of the day, um, you know, this, the Frankie is way different. Yeah. Sammy was never in shape. He was, he was, he was never fast. Uh, I don't think speed was his, uh, was one of his gifts that was given to him when he came here, but for, uh, you know, the, the squad itself, we've seen kind of that, that mentality lately, I think, especially with uh, players like Cam, I think they've, he's tried to put too much on his shoulders to do like it's his responsibility to score goals or to um, make sure the team wins. But Frankie brings a different mentality. He's coming from somewhere else and you get him into this structure of the Republic and what is expected of you or what you, what your teammates are capable of doing. Remember he's coming from, from teams that have not had that in the past uh, where, where he's had to do everything himself almost. So now he's coming to a team that has um, a plan of attack, has a, has a formation and, and an, and a, and a, um, idea of what, how they want to play, right? A vision. So now he's coming into a situation that's more secure than what he's had in the past. And if he, once he learns that, I think he's going to be dangerous. I really do. I, I think he'll be, he'll be just like I, I've said with Carlton um, coming in. I think Frankie has that opportunity to do just the same, if not more, but a different way coming off the bench or um, maybe even a four four two. Who knows what we see with uh, with this going forward. Yeah, four four two actually would be pretty good, especially once he uh, gets more situated. But uh, going back to what you were saying, uh, Sharon, uh, I do see that in him too. He is the kind of player that will go after the ball, and we need to have more players like that, especially your forwards, because we could look back at all the opportunities, all the missed opportunities we've had this season, and if we would have had a player like him that would have been after those balls, 
I think we could have at least seen probably three or four goals more than we did or than we have thus far. And you always need to have that because each game you're probably going to have those opportunities where goalkeeper slips, uh, maybe you're at a, a free kick, the goalkeeper leaves it there. You got to have that player that is always looking at the ball, that is always trying to take advantage of that, that is putting pressure constantly on the goalkeeper, especially when we're down in a match and you want them to be running around trying to really uh, make themselves uh be seen and, and really force that error, right? And so he is that kind of player. I think it's great. I say, you know, we, we keep putting him uh, come up from the bench. Uh, let's get him more situated to what the team is. Uh, he has a couple of games to showcase himself. And I think if he does well, uh, I'm not too sure what the terms are of the loan. I think it may have just been for the remainder of the season because let's remember he is uh, coming to us from loan from OKC. But if it's just until the remainder of the season, if we have that opportunity to purchase him, I say let's go purchase him. Uh, don't just do it on a loan. Give him another full year if, uh, if you know, it is indeed until the end of the season. Uh, I know I was hearing in the uh, match commentary, apparently the team was trying to purchase him, but it seemed like OKC wanted to do a trade. And they didn't say what players they were interested in or anything, but from the looks of it, they were probably trying to get some of our really good players. And so that is just not something we would be open to, but hopefully they're okay with doing just a cash trade <laughs> or, you know, just the, the, the good old uh, dollar transfer rather than just a trade transfer. And uh, we're able to see him another year because if we only see him for the remainder of the season, I don't think that's going to be enough if we look at just how many matches we have left, we don't really have that much. And then playoffs come by. And at that point, you want players to be more established. And so we'll see if he's able to get a little bit more situated just in time for playoffs. But I'd like to see him like a full year for us to to really gauge like uh, how good is he? Is he one that would take over Cameron's position completely? Or what? what could we expect from him? But We'll see what happens if uh, we're able to purchase them from OKC or, or what their uh, deal is as well. So last reaction we have here is uh, Belmar's reaction. I know we spoke already about him before, but let's hear a little bit of what he had to say about uh, this match. Yeah, tough one tonight. Uh, I, think we played, I think we played really well. Um, you know, we unfortunately gave up a goal really early. But you know, I think all year we've shown the the grit and the and the attitude to to come back and when we face adversity and and we we showed it again tonight, and uh, and we dug deep and and you know just gutted right now because we should have won that game. Uh, that game was was all ours and you know just mental lapses and and we've kind of let it slip. But you know, a point is a point, and um, we move on to next week and and looking forward to to rematching these guys and 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 nicking them again. So. So really well said by him, right? I think they're reflecting already on what happened. You could tell from his voice that he is really disappointed at all those missed opportunities, at just overall how the game progressed towards the end. But they're already starting to look forward to the next time they play against Reno. 
and maybe not just against Reno, but all the upcoming matches we have. But I think based on that last response, the players want to play against Reno already again. I think anytime you get scored on at the last minute, especially with a game like this where you had more opportunities, you just didn't take advantage of them, you want to play against that team again so bad. And I think to our advantage, we're not in a typical USL season where maybe this would have been the last match against them or maybe the next match would be three, four months from now. We are actually going to be playing against them towards the end of the month. And I think there's a flame of like wanting to avenge that last minute tie is going to be there. And uh, it'll be really interesting, I think, to see that game that we'll be having over there at Reno at the end of the month. But what were you guys' thoughts on what he said? I mean, you, you have to look at it this way, right? You got 25 points. You're tied on points. He, that's not good enough for him. He, he's essentially saying this, this result wasn't good enough. And it could have been because of what coach had said, but I, I think he, he wore this a little differently because he missed a, Again, he missed an opportunity that he feels that he should have gotten. So he's going to, he's going to reflect a little differently. You look at the rest of the matches, right? You've got, you've got Reno, Portland and Sounders. That's all you got to focus on. You're already in the playoffs. You got 25 points. Um, it's, it's sealed for playoffs. However, you still can take first. Yeah, you got a 21% chance of doing so, but you have a chance. So being that this team, um, see, hearing your forward mad, I'm, I'm scared for everybody else right now. I'm scared for, for Portland. I'm scared for, Seattle, or for uh, Tacoma. And I'm scared for Reno in the next match on the 26th because in the end, uh, Belmar is not going to let that that – that uh that happen again and he'll he'll do it by himself if he needs to because you're 25 points each yes reno has one game in hand um with being that but they also have vegas so you figure that one out right they play vegas again uh and it's just a matter of being being able to to see if they can draw and you can beat them they have more losses right now than we do but belmar is not happy that's great so when you play the Defiance on Saturday on the 19th, how many goals is Carlton going to have? I hope he gets a hat trick to show how mad he was. And then Formella gets a hat trick because he needs more than, than a brace every game against Tacoma. So six. Let's get six. <laughs> so I'm right with you on that one. Um, it'd be interesting to see how training goes this week. Um, I would love to see Belmar looking for more out of his teammates uh, during during the training. Now, one thing I've noticed this game and the second half of the last game, um, I've noticed that but all the cha- all the lines of our attack, everybody stepped into the attack. Every, most everybody stepped back into the defense. I saw a little faster movement. And if we continue to support Belmar and the other players up front like that, if we continue to do that sort of support and we continue to play that way, we're going to be a little bit more successful going down the road. That has been a change I've noticed. We're quicker. We're quicker to attack. The whole team attacks. The whole team is defending, except for in a few cases, you know, we had some people walking and of course they got subbed out. Um, So, so I think if Belmar during training this week takes that 
you know, that disappointment and turns it around into um, motivation for the rest of the players so that he sees what he, so he can explain what he's looking for from his, from the group, you know, from everybody. I think we're going to, I think we're going to look good coming down the stretch. And I, I agree, you know, let's just get six more, let's get those points and then hope that Las Vegas can step it up against Reno, whatever. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can because Las Vegas has uh, disappointed us and uh, Phoenix was who I was hoping would get those three points from Reno, but they got those three points. Uh, I was discounting them, but they managed to pull it through. But yeah, th definitely the next game is going to be uh, a game that is going to really demonstrate how we took this tie, how we took this uh, result, because If you play such a good game against Reno, who is, of course, the most toughest opponent in your group, then we would deduce that against Tacoma on Saturday. If we have a game like this, yeah, it should be a 4 nil, 5 nil. I mean, 6 nil for Jonathan. All right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd be happy if uh, we get like a 3 nil win where we, we really show that we're really superior. But. We'll see. We'll see how, how that match goes. Uh, but definitely you could hear it in his words that they are going to try and have a different mentality on Saturday. Take advantage of those opportunities and put yourself in that really good position where you're going to go play against Reno in the match after that one. And you're going to have that motivation and that uh, strength of wanting to play against them again and make sure that you define the game when it should be defined and not wait for uh, them to get another penalty given by the referee and all that. And so we don't have to be talking about the referee again because I don't like blaming the ref and it needs to start with us taking advantage of those opportunities. So at the end, it'll just be more like an anecdote about, oh yeah, the ref screwed up, but we took the three points anyway, but ref could do a little better, but all right. Everyone makes mistakes, right? When it doesn't affect your score line. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next match. So yeah, in the end, you know, you gotta you gotta take away points, can't leave them on the field. Hopefully they they fix this next time out against Tacoma, but we'll see. So that brings us to the Makuni Man of the Match segment. This uh, segment of the show is brought to you by Makuni Sushi. Check them out today at makunisushi.com for all of your favorite uh, dishes or check out their app available on the App Store or Google Play and order your sushi today. They also have some uh, restaurants that are open for dine-in service and for patio. So check them out today at makunisushi.com. So man of the match segment, Luis. Uh, last week we, we had some names that could have potentially popped back up, but... For my man of the match, I am going with my guy, Carlton Belmar. How could you not? He was electric the whole game. He uh, did everything that has been been sought after in terms of the forward role this year from Mark Briggs and really showed kind of what we've all been thinking or all, all talked about, at least Sharon and I, um, as it relates to this guy and his ability. So, you know, my, my man of the match was Carlton Belmar. Sharon. Why don't you go next and give us your man of the match, and we'll end it with Luis on this one. I'm going to have to agree with man of the match 
little bit of Matt Mahoney in there, you know, just because I have to kind of always give a little props to to Matt Mahoney. But I, I agree, Belmar, man of the match. You know, when you when you do assist like that, and even though Formella ricocheted that goal in, we'll take whatever we're given, you know. Um, but I, I think um, Belmar's vision, I, I love it. You know, Carlton Belmar, let's go. Let's do it. Luis? Just to not say the same name as I said last time, but I definitely oh, do agree, Belmar. Take away the hat trick from him. Hat- take away the hat trick. Come on now. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say uh, Formella. He had that, that goal, which he took advantage of. And let's think back at how many opportunities we've had one-on-one. I'm thinking back to that Cameron opportunity, by the way, uh, being the most recent one. He took advantage of it. And that's something that we need to see more players do of because you can't let go of a one-on-one opportunity, especially when you get set like that. And to see him actually take advantage of that, finish it off, get that confidence that you need as a goal scorer to have that confidence in you that the next time you get another one-on-one, you're going to put it in the net. Is really great, and I think we saw that in him. I think this is really going to help uh, Formella grow in the upcoming matches. And true, he plays against Tacoma, which he loves scoring uh, brace against. And we'll see if maybe this helps him uh, motivate for that. But I, I really saw a different Formella after he scored that goal. Uh, I think he needed that motivation because he was basically under that pressure that all you do is score against Tacoma, but we don't play against Tacoma the whole season. So you need to score against other teams as well. And so uh, I think it really helped him out. Second half, he had really good. Uh, he had a really good game. He had a good opportunity. And uh, he had a really good play. I don't know if you guys remember. I asked the team if they could give us like a highlight of that. But he took the ball. He did a little turnaround. I don't even know what you would call that too. And sadly, that didn't end in anything. I thought maybe it would have been at least an opportunity at goal. He got close, but he didn't get that opportunity. But just to see him do that play was a magical moment for him there. And I think he's not afraid of doing those things, even though maybe the game didn't lend itself to do that. And so it was really great. And I got to say, I think this is really going to motivate him more. And uh, hopefully, hopefully so, because he is a good player. He takes advantage of the opportunities he gets. And uh, now that he scored against uh, a non-Tacoma team, and especially I think scoring against a team like Reno, is really going to lift them up uh, for the upcoming matches. I totally saw that play that you're talking about, a little shake and bake. He had two defenders, yeah. he shook them both, and then he had open field after that. So, yeah, no, that was uh, that was really good footwork for a bigger guy. You know, typically we don't always associate, you know, <laughs> big guys with good footwork, but this this was that case. We had it there. And, and you know, it was really – he used his weight very well on that mm-hmm. shake. I mean, I can understand why you picked him as man of, mm-hmm. man, man of the match. And how it would build his confidence after that. Yeah. But if if you watch him on that, he was completely gassed the rest of the match after that. So yes, he made from 18 to 18. That was that was spectacular. Uh, the last touch, however, his legs just gave out on him. And I think he I think at that point he was asking for oxygen or a sub because he was he was just straight gassed. But it was good hey, to see the air him. quality was what at 255 when those guys were playing. It was so bad. Oh, I didn't even look because 
ideally you're not supposed to play over 200 is the, oh, really? is the US. Yeah. That's the USL rule. So uh, they go by the same guidelines as the NFL over 200 is supposed to postpone your match. But so Maybe that tells it was only, you. It was, no, no, no. It was 180. Sorry. All right. So they, they it was playable, but regardless, like <laughs> after he made that, that run, he, he was looking gassed the rest of the way, but Hey, um, you know, take a point. It's, it's all right. Yeah. And then if we look at the standings, uh, currently tight end points still against Reno. But as we said earlier, Reno has a game in hand. We're going to depend on Las Vegas to do something at this point for us to have anybody a chance. Take a, anybody. Or, they, oh, I yeah. Mean, they, have, they have four games left. So of like those four games, you have, yeah. you have the Defiance, you have Timbers, you have Vegas. Now, are the odds stacked against us? Yes, but... Um, <laughs> I've seen stranger things happen um, over the course of uh, what three weeks left of the season. So hopefully something strange happens and we can get uh, one of those three teams to help us out a bit because Vegas sitting at nine points for their whole season. They're they're every look, everybody's going to find some opportunity. They have more points than Tacoma or Portland. So, (laughs) you know, they're, 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 they're due. They're due. Yeah, but Vegas is the is our uh, hopeful, right? As being so low in in points and whatnot. But I would say, I mean, it's basically a classic game against Reno, right? Like you would think they would take the game a little bit differently, being that the classic game. True, you've had a really terrible season, but go for the win, right? Like make them not get that first spot, <laughs> even though you get last place in your group, right? That probably saves their group. I would probably assume. <laughs> <laughs> role of spoiler. Anytime you can play the role of spoiler, take advantage of it. Does a uh, quick question here for the, um, for the match against Reno in a couple of weeks, which is of course my birthday weekend. Um, does N- Nevada or the U S are, are fans allowed? Do you think by that time, do you think fans will be allowed any fans or no, there's still you can, fans. There still be prohibited. I mean, some stadiums allow it, but I don't think Reno will. If, it, if you haven't done it already, you're not going to, you're not going to do it anytime soon. Okay. Maybe playoffs, but uh, you could always go and stay at the silver legacy, go to the parking garage across from the, uh, from the ballpark and, and catch the match. If you want to go that route. There you go. Pull the yeah. lawn chair and a cool and a koozie. <laughs> Who's with that? Glass. I'm, hey, if let's see, what is that? The 20 Saturday, the 26th. I could, I could have to go up to, to Tahoe for a weekend on the 26th. You can make it happen. <laughs> Drive over to, to Reno. They have a Cabela's there. I'm sure I'll need something by then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have cousins in in Reno, so maybe maybe there's a reason for me to go celebrate my birthday up in Reno. There you there go. You go. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, so that that's uh, what we're hoping for, of course. If they uh, lose three points, uh, if uh, if they at least tie a game, uh, that that should be uh, good as well. Uh, and then it'll just depend on us getting the three points against them. But we will see how how things progress. Uh, just a reminder, though, we don't have that many games left. We have four games left. Reno has five games left. So we're in that final stretch of the season. Playoffs are going to start the second week of October. So things are chugging along. And uh, we should know who's first and second uh, by the 
time that we play against Trino, practically, I would almost say that, practically, even though they'll still have two more games left, if uh, they still haven't given up points and we gave up points, then the group might be decided at that point. So we will see what happens then. But for now, things are still there close. Uh, I would have to add, we are qualified officially for the playoffs now. So now John can actually say that. <laughs> we, we got the point John wanted. And uh, yeah, we're in the playoffs. So uh, congrats to the team for, for making it there and uh, for only having one loss in 12 matches. We do have to also add that because it's no easy feat to be able to say you only lost once and you uh, uh, tied four times. Uh, so that's not too bad and a uh, really good job for the team. And it's really going to boost us up, especially uh, come uh, playoff time as well. Eight game unbeaten streak. You will see, uh, again, you'll see Reno on the 26th, but between now and then Reno is playing two games. We are only playing one. So they have a game against um, Tacoma and then Portland and then us. We have a game against Tacoma and then them. So um, we'll, we'll, if we win that match against Reno, uh, you could see us in first place heading into the playoffs. Just saying. Yeah. yeah you have to, you have to continue your unbeaten run, though. So the, the, the Republic being unbeaten in the last eight, you have to stay unbeaten going forward, and you can't have any slip-ups. So – uh, you can't. You, you have to beat the Sounders on Saturday, and then be ready to play Reno and beat them on Saturday too. With with going unbeaten against again Tacoma and Portland, so gotta stay gotta stay perfect. Yeah, uh, from here on on definitely. So our next home match again, home against Tacoma next Saturday, September eighteenth at seven thirty p.m. on My Fifty Eight Straya TV and ESPN Plus as well so tune in and the team will actually have a a watch party as well as they have been and uh, i do want to say one last thing about a watch party the one i was in yesterday really great uh shout out to tina for listening to the podcast uh, it was a halftime uh, ben gumpert went on to talk to the fans but right before he came on i actually came on a little bit later i came on right at the beginning of halftime turned my camera on and uh, she wanted me to uh, answer if I saw Sam as not being a super sub anymore and actually maybe deserving more of that starting 11 spot. And I have to agree with that. I was actually wrong. I I think he actually had a pretty good game uh, in the starting 11 last night. And uh, as I did say in the watch party as well, I'm all for players proving me wrong. I could say anything about the team, about a player not doing as good, about maybe most recently Roro's mistake, Cameron not taking advantage of opportunities. But if they want to go out there and prove me wrong, I'm all for that. So please go do that. Prove me wrong. It's going to make me happy that you proved me wrong. So please go out and uh, and do so. So, so yeah. So again, yeah, thank you for uh, Tina for uh, bringing that up and uh, for listening to our podcast uh, each week. So so uh, you can check us out now on um, social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, uh, Sacktown FC on all of those, or Sacramento Soccer Fans on Facebook. We are also on Twitch with gamer tags for Xbox and PlayStation 4. Xbox is uh, Luis and FIFA 20 uh, at Sacktown FC. And you can find me at Sacktown underscore FC on PlayStation 4 where I'm now playing, uh, I'm done with FIFA for a while, 
since I have retired um, with a with a undefeated streak. I've retired officially from FIFA 20, looking forward to FIFA 21, but currently playing PGA golf. So check it out. Uh, get on um, the gamer tags. Again, Xbox with Luis, Sacktown FC, me at Sacktown underscore FC, and let us know so we can uh, put it on our Twitch, which is Sacktown FC. Yeah, well, we need to find someone who plays uh, the PGA golf game for PS4. Because uh, we want to see how, how good John is and uh, someone needs to challenge him on a game because he might go undefeated on the PGA Golf game as well. So if you're out there hearing this, hop on that PS4 and challenge him to that PGA Golf so we could see if he, he is truly the champion of that game. So go check it out. <laughs> So but before we close out, I uh, wanted to say thank you to Podcast Mom for uh, joining us here today. Uh, this match had a lot to talk about. Hopefully, uh, we'll have you back on for your birthday week uh, so we can uh, sing to you happy birthday here on the podcast. Probably put in some uh, songs here on here as well. So uh, you were invited to come for that reason and also for any other episode uh, that we do as well. Do you have any final words to, to tell us? <laughs> Hey, man, I really appreciate uh, the invitation. It's always a delight to see both of you and to work with both of you and, you know, assessing what we just saw in a game. Um, We love our Sacramento Republic. That's why we do this. That's why we talk about it is, you know, we, we just, as fans, we just love it. And I appreciate the opportunity to share my passion of you know, for the Sacramento Republic and soccer with y'all appreciate you and looking forward to my birthday. I don't know. Do I mention, you know, you guys are all like the FIFA and the Xbox and all that other stuff never got into that. But if anybody wants to challenge me on words with friends, you just let me know. There we go. Words with friends with Sharon. There we go. We can, Oh, we've got it. We could have a little tournament. Hey, I'm not half bad. There we go. I'm in. I'm, I'm excited now. I'm in too. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's, let's set something up and, and see how we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all we have for today's episode. Again, special thanks to all of our community of really awesome people for taking the time to listen to us each and every week and also watching all of our online shows, uh, our cup of tea, Pasión Mekis, Sacramento soccer show. Uh, thank you for tuning in, for sharing those shows. Really appreciate it. Uh, as we always say, we started this podcast as a hobby with the goal to get more people coverage about anything going on in Sacramento, soccer-related, Sacramento Republic, California Storm, and it's grown to us talking about everything in soccer with all of our online shows, with anything else we really mentioned here and there on the podcast about uh, soccer and other leagues. And we couldn't have done it without all the amazing support from each and every one of you listening to us right now and to those who also watch our shows as well. So to that, we say thank you. And you will hear from us this week with our shows tomorrow, Monday, our cup of tea, 6.30 p.m. Pasión Mekis will probably be Tuesday or Wednesday. Undecided what time yet, but be on the lookout for that. And then next weekend... We'll give our reactions to the Saturday game against Tacoma as well. So be on the lookout for that next podcast. So thank you, everyone, and have a great day or great night whenever you're listening to this. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>